So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Welcome to the Lord's Podcast with Will Rowe. Well, a very warm welcome to this month's podcast. Lots to get through after a special month of test cricket that's seen England regain the urn after taking an unassailable 3-1 lead in the Investec Ashes series. The county season is coming to a climax with 2020 finals day this month. The Royal London One Day Cup is in full swing and the county championship is heading for its final stages. Well, joining me today to discuss all this, I'm very pleased to be joined by Middlesex spinner Ollie Rayner and All Out Cricket Magazine's Joe Harmon. Welcome both. Thanks for having me again. Good to see you, Will. Good month, Ollie. Busy? Very busy indeed, yeah. Just um, starting sort of a... Well, been in a week off since uh, Tuesday, but up till then it's been absolutely hectic, as you can probably imagine. And Joe, as a, as a scribbler, you've been pretty busy with the Ashes, I imagine. It's been busy, yeah. I mean, we've had a few days off because England keep winning really, really quickly. <laughs> that's uh, true, yeah. So that's been nice. But yeah, it's been, it's been hard to keep up with. It's been non-stop action. Well, we'll come to England's um, well Ashes victory already. It uh, seems bizarre to say that. But before that, uh, we've got some questions that you've um, tweeted into us under the hashtag AskRains. So, Ollie, I'll, I'll fire away. Um, the first question comes from G. Krishan. He says, what advantage or disadvantages are there to being a tall spinner? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm quite happy to be described, too, as a spinner, to be honest, <laughs> at the start. But um, I suppose advantages is the bounce. Um, don't necessarily have to rely on wickets being spinning. Um, but uh, on the same token, that's also a disadvantage. If I do finally get one to spin through the gate, often it goes over the top of off stump. Uh, which is quite frustrating, um, but yeah, I think you know it just adds a slightly different dimension to it. Uh, you don't often see tall spinners, so people won't be as accustomed to it. Although I've been around a while now, the batsmen seem to have uh, adapted to my bowling quite quite comfortably over the years. Uh, but yeah, I suppose I, I suppose ultimately, I'm, I'm glad that I am a tall spinner. Just out of interest, how tall are you? I'm well. Yeah, I always say I'm a, just a shade under 6'6", six, six, so technically I'm 6'5". <laughs> so you should have been a fast bowler, really. I'd snap. I wouldn't last very long, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, next one comes from the at John Simpson fans account. They say, um, how are you such a good slip fielder? Um, yeah, I don't Well, I, I practice a lot. Um, you, you have to. Um, but I think, first of all, I think every, every county cricketer probably has the ability to catch a slip catch. Um, but I think it is a natural thing that when you hear a a nick and then you realise it's coming to you the good slip fielders who have been doing it for a long time won't really change their heart rate etc they won't get too excited whereas someone who hasn't done it before that naturally they'll probably panic so it is a lot of practice and then yeah just being able to do it over the years and getting more used to the angles and stuff like that but uh, yeah practice 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 what about I'd like to ask what about the, the concentration with it because obviously when you're practicing you're just there catching ball after ball after ball. You know, you might stand there for half an hour and catch 100 odd balls. Um, in a county championship match, you might stand there for two hours. Nothing comes your way, and then one comes. You know, download to your left. How do you? Uh, I don't know. You can't really practice concentration, but how do you build up the concentration? Well, ironically, I mean, concentration has always been probably one of my poorest sort of attributes, if I'm honest. Um, 
And but I do actually think that that helps me as well because I'm I can switch off. Um, and sometimes I might not be when I'm slipping the best. It's when I'm not necessarily thinking about getting a slip catch. Um, you know, it's second nature to me after all these years. Um, I did a I did a half season last year at first slip and I dropped a few. And because I, I have done second slip for so long, everything's just you know I know what's going on. I know the angles and and things just happen and. So it is a matter of practicing the angles as well, not just being able to catch. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, like you say, you could go almost a day and not have one, and then the next day you get one first, second ball. You know, it, you, you just don't know when they're going to come, and that's really hard to practice in itself. But um, I think being able to switch off as well helps. Good stuff. Um, Lawrence Klein asks, tell us please about the run-up, uh, I should add here, or maybe lack of run-up in your bowling. Uh, you, you seem to just take a stride in and bowl. Yeah, well, I've cut it down every year, uh, <laughs> getting older. <laughs> Hence, I couldn't bowl seam. Um, yeah, I mean, a run-up's purely there to get a bowler, whether it's a seam bowler, spin bowler, whatever they bowl, into their best position at the crease. Um, you know, I've, I've gone through, I've had long run-ups, I've had short run-ups, I've had little silly things come in, you know, like, Ali, he throws his arms out and I do a bit of this and that it's just natural um, but a couple of years ago I redid my whole sort of run up and action because things weren't quite working and I took a bit of a gamble on it and I decided that you know I'm not necessarily uh, what you'd see as a, a typical English spinner you know beautiful action lovely flowing side on etc so I was a little bit more like some of the subcontinent bowlers in terms of I'm, I'm quite front on and I use more of my shoulder than my rhythm so I just thought, what's the point? I mean, I've done loads of training from like the coil and I even, you know, I'm sorry if no one knows what the coil is, it's just where you're standing there yeah. in your final position without a runner. And I bowled quite nicely from that. And I've actually thought at times, why do I even need a runner? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's all a rhythm thing really. Um, Mitchell asks on uh, Twitter, he says, your best Middlesex performance, Oval or Trent Bridge? And I presume by the Oval he's referring to your 15 uh, wicket hole there. Yeah, um, I mean, I'd probably as a, as a bowler, I'd have to say the oval. I mean, it was a real special achievement. Um, I wouldn't say, well, the Trent Bridge is looking a little bit more like a fluke because uh, I haven't scored, obviously, 100 since. Um, but, you know, that was an absolutely great day and, and it was just a different feeling, um, you know. Um, but ultimately, I, I really love taking wickets. So That's what you're there to do. Um, who's your childhood role model? That's from Ankita Saha. Oh no, here we go. I did. Uh, I had a little look at that one last night, and I said, "I don't really." I said to Beth, "I don't know whether I should tell them it was Banana Man or not." Um, uh, but I suppose in, in cricketing terms, although I, I didn't end up doing a similar job, you know, I, I really loved watching Andrew Flintoff play. Um, I've always loved watching Gale play. Um, I was kind of in two minds this year that we didn't get to play him in the 2020. I thought, thank God, you know, <laughs> the way he's been teeing it up, he doesn't. Hit, but uh, also, it would have been nice to maybe chance my arm against him um, but yeah I'd, I'd probably say uh, someone like a Flintoff Good stuff uh, Joe I'll bring you in here actually who's your childhood role model cricket or non-cricket uh, role model's tough because I'm not very good yeah. uh, so <laughs> it's, it's a bit different um, my dad's a New Zealander uh, okay. and I used to love watching Stephen Fleming bat because um, my, my favourite players growing up uh, and I grew up just down the road from St Lawrence Ground in Canterbury so I had a Kent membership as a kid so Cole Hooper was another another I really like watching uh, and Mark Elam with the ball is perhaps a slightly odd role model yeah uh, but he he was, <laughs> he was he was just uh he put in a lot of good action equity Sunday league performances those were the ones that that got me hooked got you hooked on the cricket um 
Moving into the slightly more bizarre uh, questions here, Ollie. What spell from Harry Potter, and I'd have to add that you're a big Harry Potter fan, would be the most useful in a cricket match? Well, I was also thinking about this one. I had a little peruse over that last night as well. Um, uh, <laughs> some sort of spell that could either turn back time because uh, <laughs> to rectify some of my mistakes um, or some way I could slow down time. Um, there is actually a thing in Harry Potter which isn't actually a spell but a, more of a, a thing that Hermione Granger has <laughs> All right. which allows her to slow down and, and rewind time. Uh, so one of those <laughs> would be quite handy. Good stuff. Joe, do you uh, read the Harry Potter books? I do. I can't. What about the one where you get into... Freeze them. That'd be kind of handy. Oh, they just yeah. Um, need to bolt it. Stupefy. I think. Yeah. 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 It's like Shane Watson Ford defensive. Basically. Yeah. So, <laughs> but then you still got to try and get it straight, which is that is, yeah. <laughs> and just to finish the um, hashtag Ask Rains question, this one is utterly bizarre. But I asked it. I'm gonna ask it anyway because it's quite funny. It's um, as a phantom door opens. Uh, Peter Miller, the cricket geek, said, "Would you rather be attacked by ten duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck?" Oh, I, there's probably one horse-sized duck. I think that'd be massive. Yeah, Imagine but then a ten... duck the size of a horse. Oh yeah, good point. I don't. Ooh. Yeah, maybe the smaller ducks. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> tiny little horses. horses. Sorry, <laughs> Joe. I'd have to agree. Yeah, take the ten small ones. Well, there you go. It's ten small horses every time. Um, thanks for those questions. Yeah, thanks and... for that one. <laughs> yeah. Please keep them coming in. Um, always good to um, know that people are listening and uh, interested. To ask some questions on the, on the Twitter sphere. Uh, well, as I uh, trailed at the top of the podcast, England have won the Ashes three one. They've regained the in the earning emphatic style and almost unbelievable turn of events. Considering England's defeat at Lords less than a month ago has uh, seen two three day victories, uh, meaning Alistair Cook and his side head to the Oval next week three one up with just one to play. Put the question out to you both: How did that change of fortunes come around? The change in fortune since the defeat of Lords. Yeah. yeah, it's a really hard question to answer because uh, this series has been such an odd one. It, it's when England lost that match, there was a kind of feeling that the Cardiff match was the anomaly that Australia were going to then run away with it. Actually, looking back on it now, it looks like the Lords' defeat was the anomaly, and England are the better side in these conditions. Certainly, it's really hard to pinpoint exactly uh, where the change came about. Um, Australia's batting has been weak throughout the series, and that obviously got covered up by um, Smith and Rogers, their two informed batsmen, both getting big runs at, um, at Lords. When they failed to do that subsequently, uh, the rest of them have just folded like a pack, pack of cards. Um, uh, and then England have really, their, their bowlers have really come to the party. The spell that Stuart Broad produced was um, probably the best I've, I've ever seen, I think. Um, certainly given the circumstance and how much was riding on that match and with Anderson not there as well. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a weird one, but I think England are the better side and, and that, that defeat is now looking like the slight anomaly in the series. Dolly, I mean, Joe's touched on it there, but obviously England bowled extremely well, but both the defeats to be inside three days, that's quite, it's astonishing really for a test match. I think it's been... I mean, it's obviously been great for English cricket, but I'd, I'd say if I was more of a mutual, I'd, I would obviously like to see the games go a little bit tighter and a little bit longer. And I'm sure the crowds mm. who are relying on all the uh, income from the games would probably agree. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Joe's absolutely right. I mean, England were the better side overall. And I have to admit, I was sort of thinking at Lords, um, you know, that, that Lords test, I was thinking, oh, oh here we go. Like, this, thankfully, I thought it was going to be a bit, make it a little bit more interesting. But 
Um, yeah, English bowlers bowled brilliantly, and, and, and ultimately, I think the English batsmen, although some of them have had a bit of a hard time of it, have just played better, better, better in the conditions that they're in. I think the Australians have come over here and played like they would on, in Australia. They go quite hard at the ball, etc. I don't often agree with Geoffrey Boycott, and I wouldn't go as far as he did when I was watching the verdict or whatever the, for the uh, Channel 5 highlights but you know he was saying you know they can't play the moving ball which I think is probably a bit harsh but they didn't play it as well I didn't think yeah that's right I mean the the players that did play well Chris Rogers dealt with it well he's played in English conditions mm. you obviously know him very well um, but yeah they, they, they didn't seem to be able to play the moving ball um, I read something the other day which was criticising the length of the tour do you think that's got anything to do with it the Australians had two two warm-ups before they came here there's been so much crap written recently uh, since the since England won the series it seems like we've got to a stage where you can't win a series just by being a better batting bowling and fielding side there has to be something else there has to be dressing room fighting the wags are putting people off it's just England played better than Australia and that's that's it it was the same when Australia thrashed us down under we it couldn't be accepted that we were just a poor side at that point and Australia were a very good one it had to be that Kevin Peterson was upsetting things in the change room that was a side personnel that had won many matches before obviously there are always going to be um, bits of friction in a changing room it would be weird if there wasn't and those are going to be exaggerated when a side loses but the reason England won this series is because they played better cricket and that's that's it really I blame the journalists personally <laughs> blame the <laughs> journalists <laughs> me too um, ones all that cricket um, looking forward to the Oval um, how do you see it going there can Australia I mean the Oval's going to be Probably, it's traditionally, it's a flatter wicket than Trent Bridge and Edgebaston. Uh, I've been weighing this up. So I, I bet on England to win the series 3-2 at the start. Oh, really? And I'm now weighing up whether to cash out and, and take <laughs> take my winnings or take some of the winnings. Because uh, I can't see Australia winning this test match. I just think the, the beating they've had on the pitch and subsequently off the pitch, um, the frailties their batting line have showed in these conditions, it will be a flatter pitch. I can't see this one finishing in three days. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, obviously. But I think we're looking at another England win, personally. I think the turnaround... We saw the wheels come off for England down under, and I think the same thing's happened here with Australia. Just from your perspective, Jai, I was just thinking this... Um, I haven't really thought a lot about it, actually, but you know, do you think it makes a massive difference between the fact that Alistair Cook's obviously led the team with runs and then, and then Clark, uh, to be honest, has looked out of Nick? And I think when you've got such a pivotal person in a team that generally people rely on, if they're not doing well, it can sort of affect the travel of the team itself. I think it's huge. I think it's no coincidence. McGraw always used to pick out Atherton. He knew if he got Atherton, then as captain and leader of that side, then the rest of the England side was, would crumble. Uh, yeah, and it's. I think if you're a captain, you can get by if you're... If you're a captain and a batsman, you can get by if you're scoring runs mm. or winning matches. Absolutely. If you're not doing both, <laughs> then you're really struggling. And that's what Cook had... Uh, last time round in Australia it's what Clark's got now uh, and suddenly when your side's not playing well you obviously look at worse captain as well there's not much you can do about that if the bowlers aren't putting it in the right place then it doesn't make you a worse captain but that's the way that that's the impression that people get Were the Australians too arrogant when they turned up in England? Yeah I think so uh, Haddon and Smith made some comments that they're probably regretting right about now I just don't know why, how you can make these comments though uh, from a cricketing point of view you're only ever tempting fate uh. you know you never go in and say oh this guy can't bat or 
um, you know, he's a walking wicket. He's always got a chance he's going to get runs. Or, or however, you know, that's a pretty crude analogy. But yeah. you just don't set yourself up for that, I don't think. No, it's, it's ludicrous. I mean, particularly given Australia's recent record over here. I mean, if they'd beaten us like they were 10, 15, uh, well, kind of 15 years ago, then perhaps you can feel a bit more comfortable in it. But they haven't won here since, what, 2002. Uh, so to... So to be seem to be so convinced they're going to win the series made no sense. I was just thinking, talking about turning uh, turnarounds. Uh, I was thinking last night. Last time I was on the show with Ollie was May last year, right? March, and I think. Was it March? I think it was. Okay, yeah. so post post the Ashes. We were, yeah, Sorry we, to correct you no, on no, that. Sorry, really, because we were picking detail. a team for the Sri Lanka series, yeah, weren't we? That's correct. Uh, yeah. At that point, Cook was the worst captain uh, ever to walk the earth. Uh, Stephen Finn was apparently uh, un, unpickable. <laughs> yeah. Um, Joe Root had been dropped from England's last test match it just goes to show you these things you need to take, take them with a pinch of salt have a bit of perspective because things can turn around pretty quickly but just coming back on your point there Ollie about um, it's silly to say things especially in the media as a player though you must think we're going to target that man or you think oh maybe he can't bat or if we you, you must as a, as a team you must have those discussions and you must have a certain amount of confidence because yeah. they did come here you know having beaten England 5-0 so I called it arrogance and I was being provocative there to get a reaction but you you must have I'm not asking you to sort of name names but as a team you must think actually he's not much good uh, absolutely yeah, yeah. We, I mean we go through and we pick people to pieces you know in our <laughs> pre-match you know you've got to you've got to th- think what what's their weakness how we get them out what's their form what's their run up to this game etc etc but then to go out and say if I came out to you the day before a county championship match okay it's on a smaller scale and go oh we've got this one in the back they're terrible yeah mm-hmm. You don't know. You just don't know. You know, <coughs> Sussex, respecting, Sussex weren't doing very well leading up to the game we've just played. But then they've, you know, they w- the game went down. We won by nineteen runs. Yeah. You um, know, and it looked like we probably should have. We thought we we had enough, and if we got a few people out, we could win it a lot easier. We did get those people out, and we didn't win it that easily. You know, so you just don't know. And I just think you're tempting fate, and all the false bravado and this, that, and the other. You know. Why? We're not at school anymore. This is, you're talking about the Ashes tests, you know? And Chris Rogers was speaking to us at the end of the last Ashes series, uh, and he said that they almost have... This Australian side are actually a bit nicer than they like to make out, and they have to um, kind of make themselves seem more aggressive, seem nastier, because that's the way Australian, the Australian cricket team plays and, and traditionally always has done. Uh, but it just doesn't fit with this Australian side. I just think Haddon perhaps is a different case. He's kind of old school. But when you see Smith saying those things, I just don't, I don't think that's what he's really like. And you don't even of, buy it. You don't. Even I don't really it. buy it. I think it seems kind of bit pathetic and bit disingenuous. And he's such a good batsman. Just well, I think score your right. runs. I think it affects the way you play as well. Because if that's not you and you're trying to be something you're not, you're mm. not concentrating what you actually are. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know, we, we had this chat about Middlesex. So apparently, we were, we're such a nice team all the time. La, la la, we've got to be tougher, we've got to be nastier. But if you haven't got the people who are naturally like that, you've got to find a different way of doing things. Yeah. I don't think you can just say it's been ingrained in Australian cricket, we've all got to be this and puff our chests out and say we're the best and that. You know, if you've got the good enough players, it will come through. Yeah, that's right. And before we move on to Middlesex, I'd just like to sort of finish the Ashes discussion. Who's your who's your man of the series on on both sides so far with one to play? Who would you give it to? Uh, it's it's a tough one between Root and Broad, really. I'd say uh, I would say Root because balls tended to uh, bats tended to sorry balls tended to dominate bats so far in this series. Root stands out as um, the, he's the leading run scorer at the moment in the series. Um, 
particularly for England by some distance. Uh, he's just batted so brilliantly for a long period of time now, and he's deservedly ranked number one Test batsman in the world. So it'd be it'd be root for me. Joe root, you root agree? Hands down. Yeah. Um, and Australia. Well, Rogers has probably been their rock. Lions bowled nicely uh, on not particularly helpful pitches. Uh, Rogers is. I think Lions a brilliant bowler. Yeah, I really do. I think he's a brilliant bowler. Because in these conditions as well, some of them have spun, don't get me wrong, but I mean, I don't know the stats, but I think he was about third leading wicket taker at some stage in the you know, bowling spin in England, yeah. which notoriously, well, I don't find particularly easy. Um, he's a much better bowler than I am, but um, I think he's been brilliant. But yeah, I think, like you say, in, in a series where balls dominated bat and Rogers, to be fair, has generally been there or thereabouts. And just finally on Australia, Michael Clark. Um, he's now announced his international retirement. It's it's quite a sad day for cricket. He's a he's a great great player. Um, I mean, what were you sort of? You know, how will you remember him as a player and a captain? Um, he's a tough one. I think he'll be. His legacy in Australia is quite a complex one. He's not especially popular in Australia, even when he's done brilliantly. He's not been especially popular. There's again talking about this kind of bravado. He doesn't quite fit that. Border Steve Waugh, to a certain extent Mark Taylor, Ricky Ponting mould of kind of being that that tough nut because that's not really what he is. Um, but he's obviously a very innovative captain, and when his side's doing well, he looks like a genius. Um, he's been an absolutely brilliant batsman, much more so in Australia than overseas. But he still had big innings over here. Um, so I hope this tour doesn't. Um, reflect too badly on his career as a whole I think pe people when they look back at Michael Clark's yeah. career will talk him as one of the great Australian batsmen and I think that's right as a captain his legacy isn't going to be great because he's lost two series over here um, he never won a series in England as a player or a, or a captain which is quite a big deal for, for a, an Australian legend not to have done so I think it will be tainted to an extent but hopefully not too much Right well it's been another good campaign for Middlesex uh, this season looks like it's Definitely going to be Yorkshire's uh, kind of championship to lose now. They're sort of well, well ahead there. But uh, Middlesex are second in the table after a nail-biting win over Sussex here earlier this week. Um, Ollie, I'm going to throw this to you and I'm going to open it up with another Twitter question from James Clouting. He says, good to see the passion. He's referring to yourself. But did you feel a bit silly after your failed LBW appeal against Sussex on Monday? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you do? Uh, well, yeah, just a bit of a tantrum, to be honest. Did you? Um, did you spit the, throw the yeah, toys I, out I, the pram? I spat the dummy, um, which is not really... I don't often go that sort of road, but, no. you know, it's a, it's a big game for the club and myself. You know, I've moved, I've moved from Sussex. I got capped earlier this week. I was desperate to get a few wickets, and uh, I got a couple of decisions I felt should have gone my way. Was it plum? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but, you know, as a cricketer and with people watching, you've got to just take those on the chin and move on. And I didn't do that very well this week. Um, but, yeah, like you say, I mean, it is, it's not because I'm trying to carry on and be a, br a brat. You know, it's, it was a high-tension game, um, getting right down to the wire. I mean, I think at that stage, although I'd say it was probably still in our favour, you know, they only needed about 80 or 70 to win yeah. with four wickets in hand with some... You know, batsmen like Brown and things who are who are good batsmen still in. Um, so yeah, but um, yeah, ultimately yeah, I did feel a bit silly. But you know, like I say, I didn't have much control over it. It was more sort of my emotions taking over really. But uh, I had a chat with the umpire. It was all fine, and 
didn't get told off too badly or anything like that. So yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Well, we haven't brought you on here for sort of an, an X Factor type apology or something. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, but the city's yeah, you're, you're second in the league. It was a fantastic victory here against Sussex on Monday. Um, when I think I've got it down as a 21 run victory. No, 21. 21 run, but it was very close. Yeah, so it yeah, went down yeah. to the fi- final day, final session. So that was fantastic. Um, it's been a good season for you with with the Red Bull Middlesex. Yeah, um, I think ultimately over over the years we've obviously been. Uh, well, I think it would be fair to say we've targeted red ballers where we can succeed the best. Uh, we have put a lot of preparation into our white ball. It just hasn't quite better than previous years. So there's improvement there, which won't we'll mean much to, to the fans. But <laughs> yeah, you know, but yeah, okay, uh, sticking to the red ball. Yeah, it's been great. Um, we've always been there or thereabouts. Last year we had a bit of a hiccup, nearly got relegated. Um, you know, and but but other than that, I think our first year we finished third, second year fourth after get, getting promotion. Uh, obviously, nearly got relegated. Now we're back up in the hunt this year. So yeah, I mean it's an exciting time. I think you're right. I don't think pe- anyone's going to realistically catch Yorkshire. I probably shouldn't say that, but you know, so you know with uh, Durham and, and Warwickshire losing and us winning this week, you know, a second would be a really nice sort of cherry. Is there a feeling, we haven't seen a one-side dominate uh, four-day county cricket for a long period of time. Is there a feeling on the county scene that Yorkshire might start doing that or do they not seem so far above the rest? Um, it's a really hard one because, yeah, like you say, I don't know whether we see them as being so far above the rest, but they just somehow do it, you know. Uh, I that think Durham game. That too. Durham game, yeah. what was it? They were 95 for seven or something, and, or nine, sorry, um, scrambled to 150 or 160. Um, got Durham out for 10 more or less than what they got and then they were about another 100 for 5 seconds mm. and it's got 400 yeah. I mean you know how did they do it um, we're just saying to Gus who's obviously our, our manager of cricket and uh, so our director of cricket and on the selectors said just select all of them for the, for, are, for the Yorkshire game <laughs> and, and rest all the other ones and we'll have a chance but um that's the amazing thing, the strength and depth, because are, there are so many players in the England side, and they just seem to have, obviously they've got a big catchment area for young players, they've yeah. got a fantastic youth system. I think, I think as well as that, they've got some guys who I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say at this stage probably won't play for England again, but you know, like your, your cities and um, obviously Plunkett will play for England again, but he's in and thereabouts. Brooks is doing brilliantly, knocking on the door potentially. Um, you know, you've got all these, these guys who are just doing a great job, and Bresnan, you know, let's be honest, I don't want to say it, but possibly won't play for England again. So they've got a really good core. You can say it, Joe. Yeah, I think it's unlikely <laughs> at this stage. Well, you, just, yeah. you, you never know, but you know, either it, way. It looks like his time has come and gone. And he was a great player for and, England. But, but yeah. then he's a, still a magnificent yeah, yeah. cricketer. He scored runs for them when they've needed it. He obviously takes his wickets. Um, Rashid's done brilliantly. You know, they've just got a good core. And I think Gillespie um, is, is brilliant. Really, uh, I really do. Um, I'm good friends with Andrew Hodd, and you know he he just rants about him all the time. So he's brilliant, and that's coming from someone who's not a sure thing in the first side, with Johnny Burstow around. Uh, so if you're keeping a, a cricketer happy and he's not necessarily playing first team cricket, you're doing something right. <laughs> he's a columnist of ours in the magazine, actually, um, and. I love his columns because there's nothing ever particularly complicated but he just gets completely to the root of the subject he's covering explains it really simply it's just kind of thing I can imagine if I was a cricketer I wanted a coach he'd be exactly that kind of that yeah, kind we're of not man. renowned for wanting really long you know <laughs> complicated <laughs> <laughs> explanations for things so yeah no he sounds just it's, they seem, he's got a great thing going there and I think they've all bought into what he's bring, 
bringing into the side since he's been there. So, you know, hats off to them, but yeah, they're going to be tough to beat. And just, just on Yorkshire, I, I guess as a county, it's a, it's one with a you know huge uh, cricketing pedigree and history. Does it help them that actually they have an Australian sort of Ashes winning you know legend to kind of look after all that because the, the Yorkshire has historically there's been some infighting there and people sort of vying for power and, and but I think there is absolute respect from everyone in that county for Jason Gillespie which comes from maybe being an outsider walking in but not just being an outsider being one of the best outsiders you can have. There is, but it's quite funny. Yorkshire was famously the county that didn't have overseas players for a long time until Sachin came along. So there's obviously been a change of um, perspective there. But what Moxon is there still as, as director of cricket. So it's, it's not just Gillespie, it's the whole package they've got there. But I think you're right. I think anyone who's going to be a coach of Yorkshire has to have a pretty strong personality. He has to be able to front up to the fans who are more passionate there than anywhere else in the country. And Gillespie's obviously a, a good man to do that. He's approachable, but he's he's a hard man. And uh, I think, he's, yeah, he's a perfect fit, really. And Ollie, I'd like to ask about a comment you made uh, a couple of minutes ago about Middlesex being a nice team. Um, that's, it's quite an interesting one, because I guess uh, from the outside looking in, he's a nice bunch of lads. Um, how does that affect you as, as a team, sort of, well, that perception, I guess? I don't know. Well, we, we have addressed it, and we, we have tried to become, you know, like, you know, not trying to contradict what I said earlier about Steve Smith and etc. You know, you, there was an element of it that did sort of ring true, and maybe you want to be, you want to play hard cricket. That doesn't mean you have to shout and swear at people and get in people's bubble, but you just we were trying to focus on just being relentless. You know, like Yorkshire. You know, when when the chips are down, someone needs to stand up, etc. And that's so there are different ways of doing things. Um, and you know, if someone's in a battle with someone a bowler, just a couple of the boys going with him, you know, again, not having to be nasty, just being there and just, you know, trying to trying to team, you know, you're eleven on one or two out there, you know. So, um, yeah, we have been renowned for being quite a nice team. You know, we, we're not, we haven't got many characters who are really in your face and things like that. Um, but yeah, we, we're trying to we're trying to sort of really get a good legacy going here, which I think we've got. And it's been quite an interesting season for you because you've had you had Adam Voges as your four-day captain, but then he got called up to the Australia side, and then James Franklin came in. So there's a natural bit of disruption there where you're chopping and changing captains. Uh, how's the dressing room reacted to that? Brilliantly. Um, not just saying that uh, we're very lucky with those two that they're such you know great great people to have around. Let alone their their experience they bring. Uh, very calm and collected. Frankie's very chilled out. Um, and, and obviously Voji was just brilliant he came in and led with his runs very calm and collected um, never sort of panicked and things like that which which I think we need you know we, we're a youngish side um, and to have people like that around is, is, is great and obviously uh, Bucky was with us the previous years brought, brought a bit of experience and uh, you know a bit of calmness to the top order um, I think it, you know I wouldn't like to say if either of them will come back I don't know but you know, if we can get one of those guys back for the end of the season, if they're not knackered from the ashes, then you know that'd be brilliant for us. Good stuff. Well, moving on, I'd like to talk about the uh, the twenty twenty season. It, um, it comes to a climax this month with the ever popular finals day at Edgebaston on the Saturday of the August Bank Holiday weekend. Eight teams are still in the competition with the first quarter final between Sussex and Northamptonshire, which gets underway tonight. Well, simple question, guys: Who's going to win it? I've written down the quarter-finalists for you there to, to give you a bit of help. But you've got Sussex, Northamptonshire, they play tonight. And then there's Warwickshire, Essex, Worcestershire, Hampshire, 
and uh, Kent versus Lancashire. Uh, for me, it's when you get to finals day, I think a lot of it comes down to experience of the day. Hampshire were historically have been there every year and always seem to fare pretty well. Uh, so for me, Warwickshire can get through. Sorry, Birmingham Bears can get through sorry, a, yeah. uh, <laughs> a tricky quarterfinal with Essex. So you have a lot of um, kind of powerful T20 players. Uh, I would fancy Birmingham to do it on finals day. They've got a really kind of versatile side uh, who have been there and done it. Did very well in the group stage. So that would be my money. But to be honest, it's a lottery at this stage. I mean, there are eight, eight good sides. Anyone can beat anyone in their day in 2020 more than any other format. So I don't think I'd be putting any money on it. But <laughs> in, in these circumstances, I will happily bet on Birmingham. Oh, yeah. I, I Again, uh, it's a tough one for me. I've actually been very impressed with Kent this year. Yeah. Uh, they seem to have sort of found a formula for it, uh, which is really, really important. And... You know, it's hard for me to comment too much on the sort of northern side of things because mm. I haven't really seen them other than on telly. Um, again, and I wonder how form from other you know forms of the formats is going to affect. Obviously, Sussex struggling a little bit in the in the in the four day stuff. Hampshire as well. Um, I, I, I <laughs> I'd like I'd like to see I'd like to see Kent there. I would like to see Kent there. I think Sam Northeast has an amazing year, hasn't he? I think they I think and Bell Drummond's been pretty solid up top and then they've got Claydon and Coles who have done they 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 seem to know what they're doing in the middle there and then obviously Treadwell. Mm. Don't know how much Riley's has Riley featured much this year? Not, Not so, so much, much. No, I think. But you know, I think they've and, and to be fair, Cowdery's sort of chipped in here and now. I think I think they're a good side and And Billings know, as well, Sam Billings. Uh, well yeah, there you go. And Stevens. I mean it's yeah. I, that's where I'd, I'd like to see them there. I saw Kent beat Surrey at the Oval earlier this year, and uh, I Steve, was there as well. Yeah, yeah. Were, were you with us? I don't think I was with okay. you. <laughs> uh, uh, and Stephen smashed what was it, eighty or so? Uh, he almost scored a century in about five balls. Yeah, it was ridiculous. He's, yeah. he's a ridiculous cricketer. He is. Um, he doesn't look like a cricketer. No, <laughs> he's and he's a bit. He's great to watch. He's a bit unfortunate, and when T Twenty came in, because yeah. it, was, it was ten years younger, he played oh. a lot of international cricket in that in that format I think absolutely um, so yeah they're kind of a good tip but then they're up against Lancashire we've got Josh Butler back in their yeah. side uh, uh, who could win the game on his own absolutely. So, so we don't know is that a good enough it's, answer it, <laughs> I, I would say in, in something like 2020 it's, it's not a lottery but it, it is you know it could go either way a little bit on the day with 2020 Fair enough. Well, there you go. You've decided Kent. I'm, I'm taking that to your final uh, answer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Ollie, uh, Middlesex have struggled this season again in the 2020. Uh, why so? I'll be honest with you. It's it's really hard to put a finger on it. Um, you know, we've had we've had good we've had good overseas bowlers come in. That's where I think notoriously we struggled more rather than with the batting. I think we were something. I think we were really high up there in the in the power play stats uh, as. Uh, Runs in the first six overs did really well, but then I think we were really low in the the middle period with the spin and things like that. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's not always easy playing at Lords as well. Lords is great, but often you'll get a small boundary. Yeah, it's not necessarily a home advantage because you can't really prepare pitches that you're you're wanting for that day, etc. But uh, I mean, no excuses. I, fundamentally, to be honest, I don't really know. We've been quite close in games. Um, I think where we've struggled generally is taking wickets. Yeah, makes uh, a big difference when you're getting new batsmen in all the time. And when we've taken wickets, we've we've won quite convincingly. Yeah, you've you've actually sort of seesaw between, as you say, quite good wins and then sort of heavy mm. defeats. There's not been that many close games. Um, I saw you here 
against Kent actually in the first game at Lords and um, you thrashed them really yeah that was an absolute thumping match I heard Rob Key on commentary when asked who he thought the best side in the competition were he said well from the matches I played Middlesex are the best side we've we've come up against then you look at the table and oh, they're at it's ridiculous. we had the same last uh, I think it was last year we played Sussex and Essex and a double header here and we got beaten by Sussex and I said to the boys they'll win it lads I mean look at them they had they had just batting all the way through etc and I think they only won one more game than we did in really? um, you know and that was the one they beat us in um, you know it's, it's a bit of a lottery but there are certain teams that will put more eggs in that basket I, I think I, I may be wrong and you guys will know a lot better than me but I would suspect teams that have done well in red ball have not done so well in white ball and vice versa mm. in general that might there'll be obviously yeah, well, Yorkshire looked like a strong one-day side and just haven't haven't really yeah. done it either. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we just look here, Yorkshire, Middlesex, Warwickshire and Durham are top four in the county championship and only one of them, Warwickshire, are in the quarterfinals. So, yeah, there you go. The proof's there. Um, you have actually... Middlesex have provided one amazing champagne moment for the 2020 this season when uh, Nick Goblin's catch in the deep and his uh, yeah. his celebration I don't know if you've seen it Joe. I did I did happen to see that yeah that was excellent Brilliant. that's what we all turn up Brilliant. for right to see moments yeah. like that absolutely and uh, I, I saw, saw him take the catch and then we all in the huddle and then there was a big roar from the crowd it's like what's going on and he was on the deck I was like what's he doing <laughs> Is it um, on YouTube? Can, can it, our listeners go and check Well, it out? that was, yes, um, you you've set me up nicely there. It's on the Lord's YouTube channel. So if I you didn't even do that on purpose. If there you, you just. Um, <laughs> no such thing as bad publicity. <laughs> All you have to do is type Nick Gubbin celebration fail and it's um, 20 seconds of brilliance. I, I have to just, like, uh, Gabo has done a bit of a full circle with his, with his catching and fielding. He was a little bit nervous at the start. He has worked really, really hard. So the fact that he's taken the catches, <laughs> I don't care what happens after that. Understandably, very happy. <laughs> Yeah, just let him enjoy it, yeah. <laughs> and just to finish with the 2020, Joe, I'd like to ask you, the finals day at Edgebaston is always a great occasion and it's sold out and it's uh, the fans have a lot of fun. Have we still got to... Where are we in, in your mind with the English domestic 2020 sort of system? How is it working? Um, is it working, sorry? I think question. it's, uh, I think it's working it to an extent. I think it could work a lot better, I think. Over time, the ECB are resistant to a franchise model, but over time, I think we'll probably have to adopt something along those lines. I don't want to see any county uh, lose their T20 status, but to sustain 18 counties uh, over a T20 model, um, I think it, I think it struggles. I think a lot of counties do very well. We were talking about this before the show. The, the London counties get packed crowds because people come after work. I think in some of the more... Um, the smaller towns, I don't think they are getting the crowds that they'd hope. So perhaps some kind of franchise model where the money that there are less games, the more people attend, and the money goes down to the counties and hopefully uh, funds their four-day game better um, would, to me, seem a better model. That said, I wouldn't be the one the person to say to some of the smaller counties that you don't have a T20 side anymore. That's yeah. that's that's difficult. Um, but I think that is probably the way the way we'll go, and I think that's probably the way we should go. I mean, the big bash is. The IPL is different. The IPL is kind of just freakish, and yeah. I don't think you can compare or even perhaps want to compare yourself to it. But the Big Bash is a is a better model. I think England can 
can look at and uh, adopt something similar. In, would in would you say maybe sort of blocking out three or four weeks in the summer and just saying this is 2020 season and no other cricket around it? I think so. I think Alex Hales tweeted the other day um, saying you can't expect cricketers to play at their best when they're switching from one format to the next the whole time. And uh, Ollie's obviously a much better person to yeah. ask on this, but that would be my feeling. Well, I don't know if there's franchise cricket. I might not play 2020 anymore, <laughs> but um, yeah, personal point of view, and I think generally... Uh, amongst the sort of cricketing professional community, I think the block we've much preferred regardless of whether that's as it was or with franchise. I think, you know, you've got to, you've got to take heed from what's happening around the world and what's working. So um, I would not be surprised if they did bring franchise in. Um, but yeah, I mean, the quality's down. The, you know, the people aren't executing their skills as well. It's simple. Um, because you're not just focusing on one aspect of the game. You know, you do your Yorker practice and then you'll bowl Red Bull yeah. in the same practice. Um, so, I mean, I think someone used Alfonso Thomas as a great example this year. Just wasn't as potent as he'd been in, in past years. Um, and that's because, you know, he's practicing two different skills at the same time. And that standard is key, right? Because you can say, right, we'll get the middle on Friday nights and that's working. But eventually people are going to be like, well, this isn't especially good cricket that I'm watching. People come mm. along and they're expensive, these tickets. I, I, I know they are at the Oval. I don't know how much they are here at Lord's. But it, it's an expense to bring the, to bring the family mm. along for a, a Friday night at T20. It's a lot of money. And they're not going to do that if the standard's not particularly high. And you look at the Big Bash and some of the, some of the fielding, some yeah. of the innings you see there, I don't think you see that as regu- as, on a regular basis in county cricket. Would you as a player enjoy the idea of saying, right, this is... As the block we're talking about, three or four weeks... All you're playing is 2020 cricket, and just you know, and it becomes a sort of a festival. I think think we enjoyed it. We enjoyed it when it was like when it was in a block before. There are two different aspects as well. Um, You know, it gives you a natural break from the you know grueling county season. You know, although you're playing games, you'll have the mornings off. You'll go and play in the evening. You'll maybe have a day or two off training. Blah blah. It does give you a bit of natural break, and then also in turn, you're not getting cricketers playing knackered as well as being able to practice specific skills for that discipline, you know, it's going to be a better game. I've, I've got no doubt, I've, I've got no problems in saying that to everyone. <laughs> the key thing is you don't hear many people disagreeing with that point of view, uh, and then it seems crazy not to adopt what most fans and seemingly nearly all players want. Well, I, like I said at the start, uh, when we were talking before, I was saying that I, I, you can't really f- argue if it's financially working because ultimately that's what keeps the grounds going and and pays for the cricket. But I'm not convinced it has outside of what we were saying earlier, London and the and the bigger test grounds. I'm mm. not sure it's even bringing in the revenue that it's designed to. Yeah. So if that's not the case, they're not making the money out of it. The standards are down. Let's have a change. Mm. Right, well, to finish off, we're going to do the, uh, the Lord's Podcast Quiz. Right. Um, <laughs> Which you, you two are, are um, I think, the first two to sort of, well, take each other on again. Joe, you, you won last time. Did I? Yes. I, I knew I did that as disingenuous. Is it, is it, is it, is it, presumably it's cricket-based, so I've got yeah. no chance. <laughs> I don't know anything about cricket. Um, for regular listeners, this is, um, well, is the end of the podcast, and what we finish with is a little quiz where we test both um, our guests on, basically, it's a, it's a potluck, who is older, I'll give you one cricketer and one non-cricketer. 
You say then, potluck, but if you know, yeah. if you know their ages, then that's... Yeah, if you know when they're born. I probably won't know half yeah. the cricketers you say, so I've no chance. I should hope you do, because most of them are your teammates, but anyway. Oh, no. Right. Seems a bit unfair. Um, <laughs> Ollie can go first, as is tradition, the player goes first. Um, Ollie, who is older? James Franklin, Middlesex captain, or rap superstar Kanye West? Oh, oh no. <laughs> um, I'll go. I'll go Kanye West. Am I allowed to go the same? You can go I the same. You can be very Kanye West. Yeah. It is, well, well done. So you obviously do know when they're. they're I just know he's are. a bit older than I think he is. Just know, you just know he's older than James been Franklin. Been around for a while. <laughs> this is the one thing I know. Uh, that's one. All yeah, it's Kanye West. He's actually four years older than James Franklin. Oh, it wasn't even close. Yeah, Jeez, yeah. I shouldn't even thought that long then. Joe, you go first on this one. Who is older? Nick Compton or right. Kanye West's um, <laughs> wife and a selfie expert, Kim Kardashian? Oh, uh, Compo or Kim Kardashian? Um, Compo. Is older. Older. I'm going to go Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian is older oh, than older, Nick really? Compton, yeah. So there you go, Ollie, take a 2 1 lead. Oh, yes, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, who's older? Alistair Cook or Cristiano Ronaldo? Surely Cookie. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go Alistair Cook. It's older. It's a big point, Joe. thing is, I think it's Cook as well, but then I'm shooting myself in the foot, aren't I? I've got to go with... I'll, I'll go with... Um, hang on, who's the other person? Cristiano. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo. I'll go with Ronaldo. It is Cook, so Ollie, you take oh, a 3-1. Pretty much an assailable lead. Either Ronaldo is younger or he's got a very good beauty ratio. <laughs> There's not much in it. There, there are a few months difference. Oh, really? They're, it? they're okay, both 30. Okay. So there you go. Say, yeah. Who's achieved more? Alistair Cook, Ashes winning captain, Cristiano Ronaldo. There's a sub quiz. No, I'm just <laughs> saying it's just on or off the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. Um, Joe, was, well, actually, there's still two points to play for, so you could level it, level okay. the series. Um, who's older? Former Middlesex and England batsman Clive Radley. Right. Or the Indiana Jones and Star Wars actor Harrison Ford. Rads. Or Harrison Ford. To be fair, yeah. Yeah, you uh, first. Harrison Ford. Is older than Clive Radley. Is, yeah, definitely. He's going to hate me for it, but I'm going to go for Radders. <laughs> Harrison Ford is older. <laughs> by a couple there of years. Go. There you go. Um, so, Joe, yeah, this is... down to the last. It's all down to the last one. You could have a draw here. Um, Ollie, who is older? Australia coach, Darren Lehman, or the Oscar-winning actress, Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh, I like Gwyneth Paltrow as well. <laughs> um... I'm going to right, tough paper round for Buff, I reckon. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, Lehman. He's older than Gwyneth Paltrow. Go okay, Gwyneth. It is indeed Darren Lehman. Oh, so. yeah. oh. <laughs> so 14 to Ollie, well played. Right. This time go. next summer, we're yeah. a decider. Okay. <laughs> well played. <laughs> you can play it three over three years. Great stuff. Well, um, Many thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for sparing your time. Us. Thanks for having me. Um, what have you got coming up, Ollie? Obviously, a lot, a lot more cricket. Yeah, Durham next. Um, be a big game, especially up there. We've played them down here, and we've, so we've got them up there. It's going to be a tough one. Best of luck with that. Thank you. And Joe, all out cricket. New magazine's just out. Well, it's been out a week or so. Uh, yeah, go and get your hands on a copy. Uh, we asked a panel of thirty or forty people to choose their greatest English test innings, uh, crunch the numbers, and we produced a top. Uh, 30 uh, we've got some writers to write some nice things about the top 10 uh, I won't reveal who the number one is but it's definitely worth reading uh, and yeah we're working hard on our Ashes celebratory issue um, 
with lots of other stuff in there. I'm speaking to Mohammed Amir on Monday, which oh. will be uh, in the next issue as well, so that should be interesting. Interesting interview. Yeah, um, he's in Pakistan, it'll be a phone interview, and I'm not sure his English is great, so interesting is <laughs> a very interesting, interesting interview. Uh, but yeah, obviously, fascinating career, and he's uh, back in uh, cricket in September, back in international cricket, and apparently he's looking for a county next year, so that'd be quite interesting. There you go, there's a little scoop. So, right, well, many thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next month with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter, our handles at Homer Cricket, be our friend on Facebook, and for all the latest news from Lords, just go to lords.org. See you soon.